Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. All set to go this morning for a couple of hours? Well, I'm going to try. 356 9397 is the phone number. The phone lines are open. We've got a couple of periods of open lines, although we'll take calls anytime. We have three guests lined up for you. Kedrick Prince will join us at 915. We'll talk some Illinois basketball with him. Tom Deanhart, who covers uh, the Big Ten and Purdue for the Purdue Rivals Group over in West Lafayette, will join us at 10. And Paul Klee will be with us at uh, 1030 to kind of talk about uh, the landscape of college athletics these days. Yeah, he would, I would see what's going on in Denver. Well, Colorado might be a player You're in not kidding. trying to find a place to, to be. They, they, I, I think that they're uh, probably going to hang on to the Pac-12, but, uh, you know, between Colorado, Utah, and the two Arizonas, you just wonder if they might switch over and go back to the Big 12. Baseball last night, the Cardinals beat the Reds 7-3 to at the Bush Stadium. They'll play again this afternoon at 1-15. Cubs and the Mets at Wrigley were rained out. They'll play two today, a day-night doubleheader there for those two ball clubs. The White Sox have won four in a row and are at the 500 mark. They're 45 and, they won, and 45. And they won two against Minnesota, which mm-hmm. is the team they're trying to catch, and they'll play them again today. White Sox won last night 6-2. to two. They're not out of it, Steve. No, I mean, no. you know, it seemed like they've been out of it all season, but. The Braves last year were 500 or less much later in the season than now. Is that right? They win the World Series. Yeah, yeah they sure did. So it could be done. You see, when Milwaukee lost again last night, yeah. so the Cardinals are sneaking up on them again. Two games back of the uh, Brewers, two games to play before the All-Star break. How much interest do you have in the All-Star game and everything going around that? You, uh, Almost none. Yeah. I mean, I didn't used to feel that way, but I, I do now. And I guess part of the trouble is I don't <laughs> I don't know some of the players. That's, it's, they're, they're, going, they're coming around. They're coming and going too fast for me now. Well, they are. And, you know, Pujols will be there. That's kind of a PR move, I guess, to, to bring a future Hall of Famer in. A couple of them, uh, Cabrero from Detroit as well, they'll be uh, involved there. And Pujols says he's going to get in the home run hitting contest. <laughs> My advice to him is to... Take a couple of swings and then uh, forfeit. Because <laughs> I don't think, even if he was very effective uh, hitting some home runs early, I think he'd wear out pretty quick in that, don't yeah. you? 
Yep. The 150th Open Championship in golf at St. Andrews is continuing as we speak. The leaders won't get going until this afternoon. And the leader is Cameron Smith from Australia, 13 under par. Cameron Young from the USA is two shots back at minus 11. Rory McIlroy is minus 10. Dustin Johnson is minus 9. Thomas Dietrich and Thomas Peters both made the cut. Yeah, they did. And I saw Dietrich uh, tee off a while ago before I came over here. Um, he was, I think, minus 2 or 3 at the time. He's minus five starting the day. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He was yeah, okay to the first day and had three under the second day. Yeah, huh? he shot 68, yeah. 67. Yeah. So that put him in a tie for 18th going into uh, today's round. Thomas Peters minus two on the day. Okay. And he shot uh, rounds of 73 and 65. By the way, Steve, I, I, watching over breakfast this morning, I saw Sergio Garcia hit it in a in one of those bunkers. Hit it out of the bunker, the ball rolled up to the edge of the green, rolled all the way back in the bunker. He had three bunker shots. You had to, you have to hit it on the green in this particular bunker in order for it not to come back in the bunker. Right. Some of those bunkers are really uh, strange. I saw, I, I forget who it was. It was on Thursday, maybe. Uh, he ended up looking at all of his options. He was going to try to, he couldn't go straight up because he was up against the, the, uh, curb so to speak of the, mm-hmm. of the bunker so he looked at going out sideways sure both ways yeah. he's going away from the green if he does that yeah he looked at putting the ball back to the middle of the bunker oh my to get himself a swing ended up taking an unplayable lie out of the bunker no you don't get it out. you have to drop it in the bunker okay but it would have been about the same effect that had he if he could have put it back four or five feet but he couldn't get he was up against that ledge so much he couldn't get a club on it Took an unplayable light and make making a par. Oh wow! <laughs> Up and down, huh? Yeah. So when you when you drop in the bunker, you drop from what about a foot, and you can't roll. Correct. It's not going to roll the bunker when you drop it, but well, that's what it's going. You just hope you don't you drop, drop it too it, hard. <laughs> yeah, you, if you drop it, you might find yourself with a fried egg. Yeah, exactly. Tiger Woods missed the cut. Phil Mickelson missed the cut, and when you look at that, and you look at those guys as as they line up in the history of game of golf. They've kind of left St. Andrews in quite different ways, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Tiger was yeah. a hero, and Phil just kind of slid yeah. off. Yeah. All the guys in that LIV are, you know, it's kind of touchy right now. And I can't be against Dustin Johnson uh, when I see him play. I've, I've always been, you know, kind of followed him. But uh, he's just one of, uh, I don't know how many. I don't know how many. Do you know how many uh, LIV are in this? Are there 10, 8, 10 in this tournament? I heard the number. I yeah. think it's more like 15 or 18 maybe. Because you've got Lee Westwood and some of those, yeah, those anchor, guys. Yeah, I, I saw some names, but I didn't count them. Poulter, Ian Poulter. He got booed. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw where Poulter, Poulter got booed. And yeah. some of the other guys. And you, you noticed, if you looked at it closely, the first round, first and second round pairings, a lot of those guys were kind of – they weren't marquee pairings. They were paired with amateurs. They were paired in bad tee times, and I don't know if that was a coincidence. I kind of doubt it. Well, Roy Spears, the uh, the writer from Chicago who watch who covers golf, said that uh, they were not given the TV exposure that they may have deserved based on their playing ability. But uh, that the LIV, were, but I don't know if that's true or not. I wasn't aware of it when I watched myself. But, but uh, I don't know what the options are when they're they're skipping from player to player, and I don't know what their options were. Well, 
all you got to do is look at the difference in how many times did you see Phil Mickelson? Yeah, well, that'd be the first tournament he's been in in a long time where he didn't get more exposure. Yeah, because he's up in there. He's in the same category as Tiger Woods. If Phil's playing, mm-hmm. you're seeing him play. Mm-hmm. You might yeah. be complaining about seeing him play because you're yeah. not seeing Steve yeah. Stricker or somebody like that uh, in, in events, but uh, or Nick Hardy, who uh, has been in some events and didn't get a lot of TV time because of others. Well, Mickelson held on for a day at even par, and yeah. then it kind of slipped away from him the second day. Shot 70-75. So if you're a golf fan, that's uh, going on. I always like the uh, British Open because you could get up at 4 o'clock in the morning yeah. if you needed to and start watching golf. Yeah. Today's a bad day for for early watching because the good players haven't gone off yet. Right. Yeah, the leaders don't go off till, well, prime time here in the USA yeah. this yeah. afternoon. Baseball, as we approach the All-Star break, how are you feeling about uh, as you look at the, the Cardinals and the, the Cubs and the White Sox? Let's start with the Cardinals. Well, uh, Steve, when you got Hudson, Matson, Flaherty all out. Uh, I, as, you need to be all, warming up. These are three of your starting pitchers that you were counting on when the season started. I don't know if Flaherty's going to help at all. Matz will be back. Hudson's now, he's out, and he's not throwing very well. Anyway, I saw where somebody said, well, you know, he, he doesn't throw the ball over the plate enough. He's uh, had 41 walks and 50 strikeouts. I said, well, if he threw it over the plate, they'd hit it. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> he, just, he just doesn't have enough. He's nibbling on every pitch. He's trying to hit the knees on every pitch. That's his best option to get them to, to go for that pitch and hit it yeah. on the ground. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But, I mean, he just – and so many of the pitchers are doing that that the games just take forever and ever. I mean, I just think it was – was it yesterday or the day before I picked up a Cardinal game in the sixth inning and it was already three hours. Yeah. <laughs> they had a quick inning and I thought, oh, boy, that'll move the game along finally. The Cardinals have kind of proved at least in the last – 14 games that they're okay against okay teams but when they play teams with mm-hmm. winning records they they played 14 games against the Phillies the Braves and the Dodgers they went five and nine mm-hmm. well, of, Cincinnati was hot when they picked them up now this weekend but yep. they did get the win last night but you, you never know when, when you're going to get a team that's hot now did you see where the Baltimore Orioles had a long winning streak 10 or 11 games I don't know how many it was and they just got beat yesterday Finally, the, the Orioles were just nothing, and then all of a sudden they went on that streak. Seattle has won 12 in a row mm-hmm. out west. Yeah. And they're, they, right now they've got a playoff spot. And I don't follow the American League nearly as closely. Certainly I don't follow the West Coast teams, but you could have got me with that one. I didn't realize no, it may, Seattle was playing that it well. It may change in the, back, in the second half. And the White Sox, as I mentioned, 45-45, uh, and 45, have won uh, four in a row now and getting lined up for the second half of the season. Got some other things to talk about as we uh, move our way through the midsummer edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Topics sometimes go away, although we've had pretty good luck over the years. When we were doing the show during a pandemic, we thought, well, if we could get through this, we could take it any way we need to take it. And sometimes you you have to tap dance a little bit, so Lauren's going to tap dance some for you today. <laughs> <laughs> It is a 9-11. We'll take a break and uh, see what's going on here. And continuing the show, stay with us. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We'll be back after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock 
Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Fella 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Fellaofchampaign.com. 217-356-9397 is the number of Lanai Fella Saturday's Sports Talk. The text line open as well. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Got a text this morning from Benny saying he'd like to hear from Mike White. We've been talking to Mike White uh, during the week on uh, the USC-UCLA situation coming into the Big Ten. They had him scheduled for last week, and then something came up, he couldn't do it. And uh, we will try to get him on one of these days. But uh, that was one of my first thoughts, too. I wonder how, what he thinks about that and the Cal factor as well. Yeah, oh, right. that's right. He was, he was a, one of the best coaches Cal ever had. Uh, but Mike uh, fell off his bike the other day, and... and uh, he just didn't feel like coming on today, and uh, we'll have him in a couple of weeks. He said he'd be glad to come on, but uh, it's just not the ideal time for him. And uh, Benny also asked about Paul Klee, well, his thoughts. We're going to get his thoughts coming up at uh, 1030. Thomas Peters has just gone to nine under par. Ooh. So he's making a move. He is on the 14th hole at the uh, Open over at St. Andrews. We'll keep you posted on how he does as he is off early. Let's welcome our friend Kedrick Prince from the Quad Cities on the telephone. Good morning, Ked. How are you doing? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you this morning? We're good. Is this kind of a slow time? I know last week uh, coaches were out and watching players and players were playing all over. And What about this weekend? Is it kind of a slow one this weekend? Slow weekend this weekend. The next weekend it hits up again and I'm going to go to an Under Armour event in Chicago to try to watch some players up there, but it starts all over again. Then I think that's the last one, I believe. So um, it's been off and on, which is kind of nice. Coaches get a break from it. Players get a break. Um, it's stressful times for these kids and coaches because they're all trying to find that right guy to get them to a, a final eight or final four. What would you say is Brad Underwood's priority as far as 2023 guys at this point? Well, you know, the twenty twenty three class is not a very, very good class. Not just I'm just I'm talking nationally. It's just not a very good class and the one guy that I know that every coach on the staff really likes, his name is Amani Hansberry. Um, he visited a couple weeks ago. Um he was on a he was on a, an official visit. He's a six seven, two hundred and fifteen pound uh power forward from Washington D C. Uh I I just Everything about this kid is it's just amazing. He's the the perfect fit. He is strong. He plays bigger than what he really is. And and for his size to be able to continue what Illinois is trying to do for the future, you know, meaning a spread offense and you know being able to you know let everybody create. All guys can shoot and handle it. He's a top priority. And um, I talked to him last week, and you know he was really adamant that Illinois has. A, an unbelievable shot with him. Um, he loved his visit, and there's nothing about the school and coaches and players, facilities that he didn't like. It's going to be a battle between Illinois and Penn State, and I know that probably sounds tough for some fans because you're thinking Illinois should win Penn State, but, you know, Illinois is roster heavy. And what I mean by that, there's a lot of talent on that roster, and they're young. So I think they're going, they're fighting against that, you know, and I know the coaches aren't stupid. You know, I know they understand that, but – he would be a kid that I think will come in and play because if you really think about it, Matthew Meyer is the only kid on that roster who could technically lead next year. So those players and coaches look at that stuff. 
I saw. I, I I think I counted the number of um, 2023 offers that Illinois made. I just counted them a while ago. I I came to 47. Is, is that is how do you explain that number? Easily, I'll tell you what. Um, there was a guy I heard uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, some schools, Illinois is one of those schools. They pull a lot of offers out, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. I, I think it's a good PR thing personally, but truthfully, it's probably 40 of those kids committed and say, I want to come to school there. They probably wouldn't take that offer right mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. they know, they know who they want, you know, by putting those offers out there, it's, you know, like I said, it's a good PR thing. It gives the kids, you know, a chance to say, Hey, Illinois is recruiting me and other schools. know. it tells you where you are talent wise, but I know darn well, there's no way they would take any of those kids, especially right now with how big of a player and prospect, you know, Hansberry is. It's a lot. It's a lot of kids. And some of these kids we know, too, as well, that they're just not there. But a lot of schools do it. It's not just University of Illinois. I tell you, Arizona State's doing it. Um, I think Iowa's starting to pick it up a little bit. They they have been the school that, that never did that, Lauren. Mm-hmm. But you see a lot of schools putting those offers out there now that they've not done before because the competition is tough. And you, every kid is looking for that one thing that other schools have. And, you know, maybe it's because they do offer early. Well, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the team for a minute because one. I have one concern that that has never come up, but when I I read uh, uh, some things by I, I can't remember who wrote it, but about Shannon not being a great mid range shooter, and I know that that's also true of Rogers, and I assume it's that even though Danger is 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 known as a pretty good mid range shooter, he's still a center and probably will have his back to the basket a lot, I would assume. And then Clark is a freshman. Is Illinois going to have – are you concerned about that aspect of all the shooting? I know I know that uh, Melendez and, and Goody can shoot, but what about the others? You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, Lauren, because um, I've seen peaks of practice, not a lot. I've seen video footage, which we know you're going to see all the, the best parts. But having talked to the coaches, to be honest with you, and it's different. The reason this, this is a good question because every week you talk to them or every day, you're going to get a different player and a different perspective on a player. Uh, I know probably a month ago I heard Terrence Shannon was the best player in practice, mm-hmm. offensively, defensively, shooting threes. He's the, probably the quickest kid on the team. Uh, Sister Harris is supposed to be the best athlete, but uh, Terrence Shannon has been dominating. And then, you know, last week you hear unbelievable things about Coleman Hawkins. You know, and then I know Matthew Meyer just got on campus this week. Uh, uh, you ask about Ty Rogers. I mean, if you ask those coaches and you guys will have the opportunity to do that, there's not a coach on that staff that thinks that kid's going to be there after his sophomore season. So the shooting part of it, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say – because I know Tim Shannon two years ago shot the ball really well from three, and I know his dipped off last year. A little bit, and I know Matthew Myers dropped off a little bit last year. Mayor, excuse me, dropped off a little bit last year as well. But those guys are traditionally good shooters. But we know Illinois was supposed to be a good shooting team last year, and they shot it well. Then they went into a funk, and they couldn't make shots. And I think that cost them in the NCAA tournament. Trent struggled down the stretch, so they can't have a season where four or five guys are just in a funk. If that's the case, then they're going to struggle. But on paper. This is supposed to be a really good shooting team, and I, I see that. Um, Ty Rogers is not supposed to be a great shooter, 
but his mid-range game is decent, but everything else he can do, and they, they love his game. We're talking to Kedrick Prince, covers recruiting for IlliniGuys.com. Jeff is with us, listening in New York City. Go ahead, Jeff. Good morning, uh, guys. Um, Kedrick, uh, nice to speak to you. I've enjoyed uh, your commentary over the years very much. Um, Thank you. I read the Post-Dispatch. No problem. I read the Post-Dispatch because I'm a Cardinal fan. And uh, I was uh, seeing a column uh, recently about Mizzou, and uh, they apparently landed – a player, I believe his name is Trent Pierce, who uh, listed Missouri and Illinois as his two favorites, and he went with Missouri. And I had a question in general about uh, Dennis Gates. Now, the first time I heard about Dennis Gates was probably about 15 or 20 years ago now, when uh, he and Rob Judson were being touted as uh, the next uh, Illinois coaching staff with uh, Rob as the head coach and and Gates as uh, the first assistant. Then, if memory serves, which it may well not, um, both ended up at Northern and both got fired from there, and both were kind of a little bit aimless uh, since then. And uh, Gates was supposed to be the ultimate guru of uh, Chicago high school recruiting. And... For me, he dropped off the radar screen a little bit. The last I heard of him was maybe, I don't know how many years back, not that many. He was at Cleveland State. Many surfaces at Missouri. Um, I understand he was at Cal for a time, too, which is probably why I hadn't heard of him. Basically, what's your take on that? Is he a, a rival for Illinois as a recruiter? especially in the Chicago area, because it seems like so many people have come along since then. Chin, uh, of course, and Tim Anderson, and I'm sure others. Do we have uh, – is he somebody we should uh, be concerned about uh, recruiting against, especially in the Chicago area, in, in your view, Kedrick? Here's my honest opinion, and that's a great question, sir. Um, the, the reason why, I mean, Kedrick Prince personally is not – concerned about Chicago because Illinois has this guy on the staff. His name is Tim Anderson. And Tim is not good. Tim is great. Tim is – I've seen him work. I went to a basketball event in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I was with Coach Underwood, and we'd watch a game. Tim was watching 10 games. He, everybody, everybody in the city, I think even the people in the concession stands know Tim Anderson. He is a huge gift to Illinois. And the thing you got to keep in mind, yes, you know, Dennis Gates is from that area, and, you know, he's going to get his share of the recruits. I, a lot of fans, you know, sometimes it's hard to admit that, hey, you're not going to get every kid. I don't blame Trent because, like I just said a few minutes ago, if you were listening, sir, Illinois is roster heavy. Their roster is full of guys that are six, five, six, 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 seven. So that's probably a perfect fit. And I think it's also healthy for Missouri to become good again because I think the, the, the bragging rights game has been kind of – Boring. I mean, he's lost some of his TV rights from ESPN, so maybe he could turn it around. I don't know if he can. I, I mean, I think that's a tough job. I really do think that's a tough job now. But to answer your question, I, I'm not really worried about uh, the Chicago area as long as Tim's there because he's going to get his share of the kids. And one kid that I know right now that everybody really is looking at is a kid named James Brown. He's a 6'9 kid from St. Rita. 
kid has 25 offers from North Carolina and Duke and, you know, and everyone, excuse me, not Duke, um, but North Carolina and some of the bigger schools. But the thing I like about Illinois with him, you know, Tim made a comment to me once that Illinois is not going to take a backseat to Michigan, to Marquette, to Florida, or Texas Tech or Baylor. He feels Illinois is good enough to go out some people with these schools, and he's proven it, and he's doing it. So I feel pretty confident with him. I mean, yes, I mean, Dennis is going to get some kids, but not all of them. Well, it looks to me like yeah. Missouri's in a, I'm not sure where they stand coming into this season, but they lost a bunch. And, of course, they're trying to replace them with their – now Pierce is a, one or two recruits that they've got in the 2023 season, but I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine that Missouri's going to be very strong in the SEC this year. What do you think? No, no, they're not going to be. That roster's depleted. He's starting over, and like I said, and this is, it's an easy sell. You're in the SEC, and you got, you got a new coach. You know, he's from the Chicago area, and the playing time is going to be there. You could go and sell any one of those kids and say you're going to be the face of the program, and they would believe it. I would believe it because they've lost so much. And so I'm not, I'm not really, really concerned about the recruiting aspect, and I'm being serious from the University of Illinois standpoint. They have done a tremendous job, and – when I talk to some of these kids, like I mentioned just Hansberry um, a, a few minutes ago, I mean, Illinois has everything possible to sell. They're winning. And what I love when I you know, hear Coach Underwood talk now versus when he first got there, he's confident and knows that if they want a kid and that they have a chance to go get him, that they have every bit of chance of everybody else to land a kid like that. They have a good fan base. A lot of kids talk about the fan base. I don't think fans really understand how big the fan base is with some of these some of these recruits and their families. And Adam Fletcher, that's one of the reasons Sky Clark came was because of Adam Fletcher, um, because of what he brings to the table. So it's a good situation, I think personally, all around. Just the whole university, it's it's in a good place right now. Jeff, did you have another uh, question or comment? Uh, I think uh, you guys covered it all. I would just say that I completely agree with uh, Kedrick uh, that. Uh, with Tim on the staff, we're in great hands and well-positioned in the Chicago area and uh, should be for a long time. Hopefully we hang on to him. I understand they extended him great uh, recently, which I was pleased to hear. So on that note, I'll turn it back to you guys. Thank you, Kedrick. Jeff, thanks for the call. We appreciate you listening in New York. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Kedrick, you mentioned the 2023 class not as strong, certainly, as classes coming along behind them, uh, behind that class, including the 2024 class. Give us an update. James Brown is in that class, along with the Marez Johnson and some of those guys. But give us an update where Illinois might stand with them. Well, I guess, you know, I, I think if, if uh, Marez Johnson, who's a 24 kid, if he had not committed to the University of Illinois, I think people would be surprised at the offers that he would have because he is one of the top players in the country as well, um, along with, you know, James Brown. You know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, James Brown, you know, has offices in North Carolina, Florida, you know, Texas Tech, and Michigan. And that tells you how good of a player he is. And I think if Tim Anderson can pull off this one, he may go down. I would put him in Jimmy Collins' category. I really would as far as recruiting is concerned because it's just, you know, amazing for a guy that a lot of people didn't know anything about to just become on scene to do what he's doing. 
I know another guy that Illinois is really interested in, and I really like too. He's a, in the class of 24 who also plays at St. Rita. Is uh, He's a 6'5 wing. His name is Nojus Instrumatis. I've had a chance to watch him play. I mean, this kid can shoot it. He reminds me a lot of Luke Goody, um, uh, except for his range is a little deeper. He's a little bit quicker than Luke Goody, but I see a lot of similarities with him. And I know uh, when I saw him play a couple weeks ago, one of the knocks, you know, people were telling him, you know, coaches put the ball on the floor, put the ball on the floor. And the very next game, you saw his whole total package. So, you know, when coaches are watching kids and they see you play more than once, that means there's a lot of interest there. So, I know Illinois is interested in him, and I know he knows that as well. So, and they're all they're really unique. They're all on the same team, you know. And with you know Nojus and James Brown and you know Morris Johnson. But I know we're talking about the class of 24, but I'm going to tell you a kid in the class of 25, and I know this is a long way away, <laughs> but there's a, there's a kid that I just absolutely love. You guys remember Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremy Fears, who's a kid that mm-hmm. you know, eventually committed to Michigan State. His younger brother is just, I, I've just not seen kids his age can do, do with the basketball. He is one of the top players you know, obviously in the state and, you know, in the country. This kid is easily six foot tall. I know a lot of people think he's short, but I know I talked to his dad uh, a couple of days ago, sent me a picture. He is taller than his brother, Jeremy, who's going to Michigan State. But this kid just got an offer from Iowa, I believe, on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan. Uh, Juwan Howard is begging for a commitment right now. He is doing everything he can to get a commitment. And this kid is a six-foot guard right now, but he is what Sky Clark was before his injury. I mean, this kid has range. He put up 42 points, I believe, a week ago in the AAU event. And I know Coach Underwood watched him play a number of times front row. And so I know fans were probably disappointed that this kid, his brother, went to Michigan State. But Dad will tell you, they're two different kids. You know, his son going to Michigan State is a perfect fit, but he made it really clear to me. This kid, Jeremiah, um, is an Illinois type of kid. He's an Illinois type of guard. And what I mean by that is Brad Underwood lets his guards do what they want under some, you know, some structure, but the style of play. And he loves Illinois. And this isn't just, you know, me being an Illinois guy. This kid loves University of Illinois. If they told him today we need a commitment today, I guarantee it, he, they'd get it without a doubt. So you saying there's a difference between those two kids as far as what they think about Illinois. You, you had conversations and you had written about uh, your conversations with uh, Jeremy Fears Sr. So he's still on board. That you know they're they're not uh, upset with Illinois in any way. Oh gosh, no. And you know, um, Steve, the, the I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. The dad played Division One basketball himself, and he said to me that. It's about fit with his kids. And his kids, you know, Jeremy is not – he's a winner. He just likes to win games. He's not flashy. He's not going to do things that make you go, ooh, wow. He's just going to win you games. And that's what he thought was best for him at Michigan State. And when you look at Jeremiah, like I mentioned earlier, their games is different. It's not even remotely close to the same. Right under what you know, we all know, he likes guys that can pass and guys that can shoot. Well, this kid can – put up points where he can really shoot it really, really well. And the way he can break down the defense and score himself and not just look to pass where his brother does that. So, no, there's no hard feelings. And 
I can say it to you, I mean, and I'm not kidding you, if the coaches are listening to this great, if they said today we need a commitment from you today, I guarantee it that they would get it. The kid likes Illinois, and so does the, and so does the family. I have to ask you your thoughts on the news of a couple of weeks ago of D. Brown getting the head coaching job at Roosevelt University in Chicago. What do you think about that? I think that's a good situation for D. I know there's a lot of former players that have been around the program who would like to be on the staff at the University of Illinois. I know D. was at one time, and that's a that's really tough. I don't. I think people would be really surprised the amount of phone calls that Brad Underwood has to you know field about former players wanting to be around the program. But we all know it's got to be – he talks about everyday guys and it's got to be the right fit. D getting an opportunity to do that, to be the head guy, you know, like, you know, we mentioned Dennis Gates, you know, a few minutes ago, you know, once at Cleveland State. You've got to get a chance to prove yourself and to prove that you can coach, prove that you can recruit, to do all these things that coaches want to see. You know, Chester Frazier did that. You know, Chester got a good spot and a good start early. I don't think any school would not want to hire a guy that's been on staff, but you got to be able to prove that you can win and you can recruit and you can go out and do things the right way. And I think that's a big thing for D. And he's extremely excited. I mean, you know, he's been out of the game for a long time, but he's still just like an Illinois legend just with, you know, as far as social media is concerned. I mean, the university put out a press release with him getting a head coaching job. I think that's, I think that's tremendous. I think it's good for D. And who knows what the future may hold. He's, I believe, what, 36 years old, something like that. So there's a lot of time for him to be able to come back and say, hey, you know what, if a job opens up, then, you know, you know at Illinois, he may be able to, you know, get back on staff. So I think it's a good start for him. Hey, Kedrick, always appreciate uh, talking basketball with you. You can follow Kedrick at IlliniGuys.com and on Twitter at KedPrince4 on Twitter. Good to chat with you. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. That's Kedrick Prince talking Illinois basketball and recruiting. As we hit uh, 935, Thomas Peters lost his shot. He is tied for seventh now. He is through 15 holes, minus six on the day. He was seven under there on the day for a moment, but uh, made a bogey after birdieing number 14. So he's in the top 10 right now. Of course, the leaders haven't teed off yet. We'll take a break. Be back with more. We'll keep the phone lines open. 217-356-9397 on the mid-July version of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 937. That spot there here in Brian Barnhart and Martin O'Donnell on the call. Get you fired up for football, Mr. Tate. We're <laughs> fired up. What, 42 days away or something like that from the season opener, the Big Ten Football Media Days coming up a uh, week after next. You know what that means? That means practice starts the week after that. I'm and, aware. And that first game is August 27th. I sure 27th. wish we could watch some of those practices, and I don't think we're going to get to. wonder how many guys like us doing shows on Saturday morning across the country say the same things. <laughs> wish we could watch some practice, because yeah. I don't think there's too many people watching practice anywhere. No, not, it's, it's disappearing Sports Illustrated, Pat Forty, who we've had on the show in the recent uh, times, has a story this week, an article, a lot of research on this, called Sports Illustrated's Power 5 Desirability Ratings, where he rates the top 69 teams in the three major conferences on a number of things. Football rank... 
academics, all sports, attendance, and viewership. And he came up with a point system mm-hmm. on that. And uh, it's very interesting in reading if you get a chance. But number one and number two are Ohio State and Michigan. Probably not a surprise. Ohio State, number two in the football ranking, number 20 in academics, number four in the all sports, number three in attendance, Michigan, number one in attendance. But as you look down, Wisconsin is number seven. I'm looking at Big Ten teams here, obviously, right away. But Illinois is down there a ways. Uh, Penn State is 11th, Michigan State 20th, Iowa 21, Northwestern 29, Nebraska 33, Minnesota 38. Still waiting, aren't you? Purdue 41, Indiana 49, Maryland 52, Illinois 59, and Rutgers 65. Well, it's, it doesn't look it, – it's you know, he makes a comment later on if you, if uh, the Big Ten was going to drop two teams, <laughs> it would drop Rutgers and Illinois based on their rankings. So that just shows you what, what – now, first of all, you have to understand what these uh, – the criteria. For instance, you mentioned one of the five criteria is football ranking – and that's based on Sagarin over a five-year period from 2017 through 2021. And, of course, Alabama's number one in that, and Kansas is number 69. Uh, but Illinois, in, in football ranking, hang on, six out of 69. They're down there with Duke and, and Kansas and Rutgers. I mean, basically, those are the bottom four teams in the nation. In, among these 69, the 69 schools include the 65 schools from the five major, five major conferences plus Notre Dame and the four new additions to the, uh, to the Big 12, which would be uh, BYU and uh, Houston and uh, Central Florida and one other, if I could think of them all. But my point is that uh, there, there's a lot of different ways to rank these things, Steve, and, and uh, Sagarin is, is the way he, uh, he does the football ranking. Now he does the academic ranking, which has – Stanford number one and Illinois number 18 uh, among public institutions and in all sports. Uh, this is a really tricky one because he takes 19 sports, but you got to have baseball. I mean, baseball counts as one of the main ones and basketball. Baseball and basketball are the t- two main male uh, and then women's basketball and volleyball are the two main uh, things there. So I'm I'm trying to get around to some of the um, some of the criteria that is required to put this thing together. Uh, football attendance, we know that's pretty obvious. You just go by the numbers. And broadcast numbers uh, is the same thing. You just go by the, the, the number of people that have watched the, the games in Oklahoma being number one there. And uh, I, I, I'm surprised that Oklahoma's got a stronger TV viewership than Ohio State and Michigan. And Alabama, but that's what that's what he says. That's what that's how he ranks it. And uh, so, what does this mean for Illinois? Well, it it doesn't mean anything in the long term, in the sense of they're not in any trouble. The Big Ten's not going to drop anybody. But uh, what what's your take on on Illinois ranking so low and 59th in attendance, 58th in viewership, 58th in viewership, and this is a a, a school that's. Only uh, two hours from Chicago. Right. We're not getting Chicago viewership at the rate that we should. If it wasn't for that number 18 academic rate. <laughs> yeah. 
It'll always be down there towards the bottom. Well, they are toward well, the bottom. They're, they're, yeah, they are. They're, they're 10 away from the bottom in this. But, uh, yeah, that I don't know what my take is other than the numbers speak for themselves. And Well, if, if you had asked me without seeing this, where would Illinois rank? I would say, you know, this is pretty much it other than academics because they rank low in football performance. They rank low in all sports. They rank low in attendance. And they look uh, surprisingly uh, 58 out of 69 in viewership. In TV viewerships. Well, so. you'd like to think that it would be closer to Purdue and Indiana and, yeah. and, and teams like that. Instead, yeah. it's closer to Rutgers and Maryland. Well, uh, for one thing, Illinois has got a tremendous golf team, and they've got a, a really good basketball program. But overall sports, I mean, when you rank 19 sports, or Illinois has got a lot of sports that are, are, are ranked pretty low. And I mean, that's just the case, and... So this is something that will draw uh, a lot of interest from, from people all across the country because every school, all 69 schools are ranked, and, and uh, you can see just where they stack up. Uh, overall, uh, the, 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 the 69th team in all these rankings, the five rankings, is Houston. Can you imagine that with a good basketball program? they got a decent football team, but I haven't heard much about, mm, haven't heard much about their other sports. No. Kansas is 68 going backwards, 69 Houston, 68 Kansas, 67 is Oregon State, and uh, 66 is Cincinnati, and their overall sports is really weak. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think they're the weakest in the country. I think they're listed last in, in that's right, in all sports, Cincinnati, with a, which was in the final four in football this right. past year, is last in overall sports. Again, these are um, categories are football rank, academics, all sports, attendance, and viewership. We mentioned some of the bottom ones. Ohio State, number one. Michigan, number two. Notre Dame, number three. Texas, four. Georgia, Florida, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, and Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's in the overall. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the over- overall rankings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alabama, number one in football. Ohio State, number two in football. That's just some interesting reading if you uh, get your hands on that in Sports Illustrated. It is uh, 9.45. We'll take a time out and be back to talk some more. We'd love to hear from you. 217-356-9397 is the number. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is the show. Moving up on 9.47 in hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Got the phone line open if you want to jump in. That's where we find Alan in Montrose. Say, hey, what's on your mind this morning, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, believe it or not, I don't have anything to talk about Illini right now. I'm talking about the Cardinals. Go for uh, it. I'm ready to get rid of Jack Flaherty and uh, Dakota Hudson. Trade something for him because I think they're just 500 pitches and they uh, – uh, Flaherty seems to have a head problem with his pitching, and he and he's just not that effective anymore. And I think they need to get rid of him while they can. Do you think they could get anything for them right now? They're both ineffective. They're both hurt. Well, Hudson's not hurt, but uh, yes, he is. He's on the the DL. Yeah, for ten or fifteen days. Fifteen days. days. Yeah, fifteen yeah. days. Yeah, he just went off. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, he just went off. Okay. I just saw a picture of that. Yeah, shoulder well, stiffness after that game. 
I no, guess next can't get anything for them. Maybe not. So what's Flaherty's problem now? Well, Flaherty's on the 60-day, so you, you could forget him probably for the season. Well, yeah. Uh, I heard uh, through the grapevine it was mostly through his head. He's got, uh, oh, what do you want to call it, problems uh, with his pitching, and it goes in his head, and it's not really physical. Well, it is physical. They don't put you on the 60-day unless it's physical. Yes, it's it's a shoulder problem. Okay. Well, I guess you can't get rid of them then. (laughs) But uh, even if you do get them back, I don't know if they're going to be that effective. I did not like the way Flaherty was pitching. I didn't like his body language, but maybe it was because he was hurting. I don't know. But uh, I just think they're wasting their time with those two guys. Well, put them aside for a moment, and what would you do otherwise? Because the Cardinals are going to have to do something in the short term. Well, I don't even know if a trade would do any good uh, unless you get rid of one or two of your outfielders and uh, get somebody for that. Your best pitchers are Nicholas and Wainwright, and they both got losing records right now, although I think they pitch better than that. Uh, the offense didn't help him out in several games. And Wainwright lost the game because bullpen couldn't hold off the Dodgers. Couldn't hold a 6 and nothing uh, lead <laughs> in the seventh that's inning. two best pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, they only right had, now, that's the two best pitchers. They only had to get nine outs in that game and with a 6 nothing lead. Well, their, their, right. pitch, their starting rotation is a disaster based on what we hope for at the beginning of the season. I mean, so the fact right. that they're still hanging in a couple of games behind Milwaukee is, you know, uh, is partly because Milwaukee hadn't been more effective. And the three other teams in that division, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and the Cubs, are not very good. So, I mean, the Cardinals have a chance, but they got to figure out they, – they need to make a trade before the end of July, Steve. They need, to, they need to trade for a pitcher. I mean, Matt's is coming back, surely, within the next week or so, but – I mean, what's he got, 10 days? He's on 10 days. Yeah, there's a chance he could pitch Sunday. They haven't yeah, said. He, he's been in the minors pitching. Yes, yes he's he has. He's been pitching for Memphis. But yeah. uh, well, when, he's not very good anyway, I'm afraid. When the Cardinals play the Mets, Braves, or Dodgers, they're just like they're in a different league. That's right. From, uh, those teams. That's right. It's just that simple. Yeah, St. Louis has under starting pitcher for Sunday, Lauren Tate. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> it has ready. nobody listed, actually. Well, they'll pitch, they'll pitch four or five guys. I know. I mean, it's, right. it's a, that's another thing. What good does it do to start Jordan Hicks out for maybe an inning, an inning and a half, and then uh, they take him out? What good does that do? Well, because it's good for two innings. <laughs> I mean, that's what you know. That's what maybe. they expect to get out of him. Yeah, but I would. I don't. I don't know. They they ended up pitching the guy who was supposed to start the game. That was Libertor, and he he's not very effective anyway. But he came in after Hicks. And got knocked around a little bit. Um, I don't know. I thought Hicks could have gone a little longer in that game myself. But he walked three. Yeah, he did. So <laughs> it's a it's a rough thing. I mean, it's amazing that the Cardinals are doing as well as they had when when you consider all their losses. And they just got O'Neill back, and then they used Yepes, who was hitting better than any of the other rookies, I think. And he's hit the wall. Yeah, he was hitting the wall, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, their offense uh, seems to be they either score six, seven runs or they don't score any. That's pretty inconsistent. So what? Uh, let's let's flip the table on you, Alan. What are your thoughts on Illinois football? Are you getting excited? We're inside five weeks, I guess, now for the uh, first game. If we have good quarterback play, 
I think we're better than most people think. If we don't, then we're going to be as bad as everybody says we are. Uh, <laughs> Who's everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of pronunciations I've seen were either last or next to last, and mm-hmm. and all that. And I think we got a little more talent than that. I I think we got a good set of running backs as anybody in the league, including Wisconsin. If we're if we get the offensive line doing good. Uh, the rest of it, we need wide receivers, and I think Juice Williams is about ready to have a breakout season. But if we get quarterback play, I think we can be a lot better than people think. Well, you know, the, the problem with the Cardinals is, is injuries, and then that, that'll be the concern for Illinois because depth is so yeah. critical. Yeah. And I would say That's that uh, the one area that Illinois is weakest at is is the depth at a number of positions. In other words, their second unit. And the problem, I'm going to figure it out. I, I, I'd like to know how many minutes the second team plays as opposed to the first team. The, the second team players as opposed Because a lot of those defensive players are in and out. And, I, and we, we have a lot of minutes where we have a different uh, person in a nose tackle or we have a different linebacker in or in. A different secondary man. It, there's a lot of substitution that is required, and and that's ta- and then you have injuries, and it takes depth, and that is always that's, well, that's been a bugaboo I'm, for Illinois for years. That's why I'm concerned about the recruiting. It seems like we're not getting any better players than we were with Levy Smith. I think that's, and that's that you, there's your depth right there. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to that. Okay, okay, Alan. We appreciate the call. Thanks very much, as usual. Uh-huh. Let's go uh, to uh, back to the phones. Go to Rob in Urbana. Hey, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Lauren, Steve. How you doing? I'm just calling about a couple things in regards to Illinois athletics, and and uh, I'm talking about the Mike Turk firing. I don't know whether that was justified or whether it wasn't, but uh, the one thing that I don't understand is how you can allow Janet Rayfield to stick around. I mean, she, that soccer program's been a disaster for ten years now. And they just keep letting her hang around. And all she's doing is running around the country chasing in the world, chasing USA soccer. I'd like to get a soccer coach in here that wants to coach Illinois instead of everybody else. Second of all, in regards to football, um, it's, no, it's no different now under Bielema than it is Levy Smith. I, I think Alan hit it right. The recruiting is no better. And it comes down to NIL money, a lot of it. I mean, pretty obvious that the NIL money here at Illinois is going towards football, which I don't blame people. That's where I would put money at, too. But, you know, when we're beating out Eastern and Stetson for recruits, uh, that that kind of sums everything up. And I don't expect a whole lot this year. But, like I said, I think, you know, I, I, I don't blame Bill. I think he's doing everything he can, but it just is what it is. But that's all I had to say. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> okay. See you later. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. See you, Lauren. Bye-bye. 9.56 is the time. we still got the uh, phone lines open as we head towards the uh, top of the hour. Thomas Peters has dropped to six under par Whoa, now. Three straight bogeys? Yep. And he is playing number 18. He had it to seven under on the day and nine under for the tournament. He's back to uh, four under on the uh, day and six on the tournament now. So... This is at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Leaders will get going a little bit later on this afternoon. By the way, if you've been uh, considering replacing the doors or the windows in your home, how about a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive? And that will help clear up what could be an overwhelming situation for homeowners. 
Mike Mary and the Illini Pella team have been fixtures in this community for going on five decades now. There are many choices in windows and doors, as you may know. And the Pella Window Store has eight patio doors on display in their showroom at any given time. They'll not only help you decide what's best for you, they'll stand by uh, behind the product with a limited lifetime warranty. It really is a one-stop shopping place for you. You can look at the products, talk about installation and other details as you get set. to Just kind of build in some lead time, if you will, if you're thinking about windows and doors, because that shopping in the first place is not something you do every day, so you want to make sure to get it right, and that might take a little time. But do your research, set your budget, then work with the pros at the Pella Window Store, and you can show off your new windows and doors to family and friends down the road. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. They also have locations in Danville, Decatur, and Bloomington. Check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Say hi to Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window Store in Champaign. It's going to take care of the first hour of the show. We've got another hour for you. A couple of guests, including Tom Deanhart over in West Lafayette, who covers the Big Ten and Purdue at 10 o'clock. And then at 1030, Paul Klee, former News Gazette basketball beat writer, now working out in the state of Colorado, will join us at 1030. We'll take a break. We'll be back with hour number two after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. We're chugging along until 11 o'clock. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 WDWS. Glad you're with us. Let's say hi to uh, our friend over in West Lafayette, Tom Deanhart, who covers the Purdue Boilermakers for blackandgold.com. What do you say, Tom? Good morning. Hey, it's uh, great to join uh, Gehrig and Ruth of uh, <laughs> Champaign, Illinois. I'm not going to say that. I'm always uh, always happy, and I uh, always love talking to you guys. You know that. You having a good summer? Yeah, it's a good summer. Uh, dry. Can use some. Uh, like everybody can use some rain across the Midwest. So it's always too short, Steve. You know that. Uh, what less than two weeks? Uh, we got Big Ten Media Day, if you can believe it. And Purdue, like a lot of schools, would go to camp that first week of August. So we are on the doorstep, fellas, of the season. What are fans, what are Purdue fans expecting on the football field from the Boilermakers this year? I think um, a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. Some people think this could be Jeff Brom's best team. Coming off a nine-win season, guys, so there's a lot of momentum. 
And, uh, yeah, they did lose some key players, obviously. You know, the first-round draft choice, George Karloftis is gone, and David Bell's gone. But there's still quite a bit of uh, veteran personnel back, beginning with their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. So, guys, I think having O'Connell back with a season roster, you couple that with a schedule that I think is very favorable and without a doubt, I think fans expect Purdue to go to a bowl game. The question is, I think, how good can the bowl game be? And maybe even more optimistic thinking, guys, from the fan base, can this team really challenge for the Big Ten West title, maybe? Well, I would think that um, – uh, let me go back to O'Connell, first of all. I was going to mention that I think that Illinois kicked him off because Illinois had that game won, if you remember, last year, and all of a sudden <laughs> – he comes in the game, throws an interception, and it looked, looked like Illinois sure had it won. And then he uh, he he led Purdue to a touchdown and a game-winning score. And uh, that really set him up. I mean, his record for the rest of the season was tremendous, wasn't it? Yeah, Lauren, that, 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 was, that was really the impetus, the spark, I think, to really turn the season around for Purdue. Um, September was sort of a malaise offensively for, for the team. Jack Plummer, of course, was the quarterback to start the year, started the first four games. And then uh, O'Connell took over and started, I think, right after the Illinois game the rest of the season, and the offense took off. So, you know what? Um, he's a guy Jeff Brom likes because he'll take chances. He doesn't hold the ball too long. He'll throw it downfield. He'll look to make big plays. There's no hesitancy in his decision-making. I think there was some of that with Jack Plummer, of course, transferred after the year to Cal so uh, yeah you're right that was really uh, a turning point for Purdue last year Um, because the defense had played pretty well up to that point the offense hadn't and the offense really took off with O'Connell under center yeah he had really good stats at the end of the year now he's uh, considered one of the top I think one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the country wouldn't you wouldn't you say or or... yeah that's a yeah that's that's a big statement Um, I think you can make a case I think CJ Stroud's the best in the Big Ten right Mm -hmm. I think O'Connell's probably the second best because the year starts. And, yeah, if you want to take the scope out nationally, you probably can make a case for, for Aiden O'Connell uh, being one of the ten best. Just remember this, too, to go, you know, like I said, David Bell's gone. Also, Milton Wright, who's going to be the number one receiver this year, he's an academic casualty. He's gone. So, uh, you know, that could impact O'Connell. I, think, I still think there's plenty of good options to catch the ball for O'Connell, but not having David Bell and Milton White is going to be a hindrance, I think, to a degree. Well, the folks in Iowa are complaining because you got all their best receivers. you got two of them, huh? <laughs> yeah, Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones. Um, I think they're both going to have a big impact. If they don't have a big impact, guys, who's in trouble, I think. Uh, Tyrone Tracy's an Indianapolis kid. Um, not only is he going to catch passes, Jeff Rom plans to let him carry the ball a handful of times a game. And then there's Charlie Jones, a Chicago-area kid. Uh, started at Buffalo, went to Iowa, and now he's at Purdue. This is his third college. And the best kick return man in the Big Ten last year. It's really going to help Purdue in, in that aspect. And he came to Purdue, too, I think, to catch a lot of passes. He sees an opportunity. He's a buddy of Aiden O'Connell. They're both in the Chicago area. They both work out with Jeff Christensen at his passing academy in the Chicago area. So I think Charlie Jones has his sight set on not just running back punts and kickoffs, but also making a big impact catching passes too. Well, you mentioned uh, the Western Division, and we still have a Western Division. and might even have a Western Division next year. But where do you think we're going long-term in terms of uh, setting up a, 
uh, a system here in the Big Ten, uh, when we, particularly when we add USC and UCLA. <laughs> yeah, maybe we go uh, one to one to sixteen at that point. But who knows, guys? You guys are following all this realignment stuff, I'm sure, as closely as I am. And who knows, the Big Ten could blow right through it all and get up to twenty at some point. But you know what? It seems like if you get get to sixteen, I mean, why not have four fourteen divisions? There's a lot of different things you can do, so it's going to be fascinating to see where all these puzzles get put in place, what college football looks like, what the Big Ten looks like in particular. You know, USC, UCLA, you know, what's next? And everybody's waiting, guys, on Notre Dame. And what are they going to do? Uh, if that domino falls, we could see a ripple effect that's cataclysmic. Um, beyond that, you know, every, all eyes are on the, the Pac-12, I think. I don't know. Can the big, can you, you just wonder, don't you, if the Big 12 is going to go for a kill shot, if you will. If the Big 12 can get those Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, I think that would kill be the end of the Big 12, and or the Pac-12, I should say. So a lot of moving parts still to sort out. I don't know that I could be more surprised than I was with the USC-UCLA announcement because... That never occurred to me. You didn't hear much of that kind of talk. You heard of other expansion. You knew that it was on the table from what happened last summer. But uh, So whatever happens now, I don't think I'm going to be too shocked by. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think there's always a little rumbling about USC. There's always talk that the Big Ten is going to make a move. They're going to have to ask somebody that's really going to sweeten the pot and move the needle and make the conference more valuable from a TV marketing standpoint. And USC was a school people had sort of rumbled about. I think the timing of it was a surprise, right? Um, great move by the Big Ten, I think. And, again, um, how big are we going to go? I think that's the question, like I said. Uh, everybody's sort of wondering, um, will Notre Dame join? Um, do they ever really want Oregon or Washington? It doesn't seem like they do, guys. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe a school, if they, can get, if they can get Notre Dame and Stanford. You guys know how much the Big Ten loves its academics. And to add Notre Dame and Stanford would be huge. So there's a lot of possibilities still here to sort out, not just for the Big Ten, but for the SEC, the other big dog in this race. We're talking to Tom Deanhart. You're an Indiana guy. You've lived in the state of Indiana a lot during your life. What do you think Notre Dame might do? What's their strategy? I think, I think one, one of the things we have to figure out first is what is the college football playoff going to look like? Because I think that's going to really determine what Notre Dame does. Um, uh, are they going to have access to that college football playoff when it does expand to 12 teams? What will that access look like? If it's not, you know, if it's not there or if it's restrictive, and they, they think, you know, what well, we're going to have to join a conference to have better access to it. So I think that's going to be a big factor in Notre Dame's decision. Money's going to matter too. Um, I find it hard to believe whatever deal they get in the future is going to be any better than what these Big Ten teams are going to get. So, again, I think the college football playoff, what that looks like, what Notre Dame's access is going to be, is going to be a, ter- a determining factor. I-, I think it's safe to say, guys, wouldn't you agree? I mean, the Notre Dame program, the school, is a perfect fit in a lot of, a lot of ways to join the Big Ten, and that would be a heck of a coup for the conference to finally land that great white whale in Notre Dame, wouldn't it? Well, it, it, I, I think that's uh, the whale that's it's going to stay away from us as long as you possibly can. I think you're right about the, the access faster. But money, they're way behind the Big Ten now, and they don't participate yeah. in ACC uh, distributions for, for football. They do in basketball. But 
but their money comes from uh, from NBC, and that's only fifteen, only fifteen or something million or so. I heard it's a little over that. Maybe it's gone up a little bit, but they've got a new contract. They're going to negotiate with uh, NBC in two years. I just wonder how far NBC will go to keep them. I mean, that's, that's yeah. And and the other, you know, even if right now they're receiving few less than I'm told from uh, Tom Noy from. Uh, Who's a, who's a South Bend writer? He says they're getting less than thirty million dollars, and and the Big Ten is already over in the mid fifties or up, and it's going to go a lot more than that in the coming year. So, I, yeah. I I just don't think money is much. They just don't care about the money. They got a lot of money, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of money, and again, like I said, access to the playoff because as a coach, as a school, you have to be able to sell to recruits that you can come here and compete and win a national championship. So that, that's going to be the real key, I think, is how that playoff looks, and again, how 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 Notre can get into that playoff, how easy it's going to be. So it's going to be fun watching that. And you know, for Notre Dame, still, guys, if they join the Big Ten, obviously they have a rivalry with USC that they could maintain, right? Mm-hmm. They have a rivalry with Stanford. So I, I think I think maybe if you tethered Stanford, that would help maybe get Notre Dame into the Big Ten, possibly. Who knows? And they can still always schedule Navy in the non-conference. And, and, and a couple other sort of, of, of their neutral side games they like to schedule too nationally they can still do. So I think Notre Dame would still be able to maintain their traditional rivalries and also have their, their neutral site um, uh, games that they like to play as well across the nation. So from building the schedule standpoint from still being a national brand, I still think if they were in the Big Ten, they could still certainly have that, that appeal and that ability. Is uh, Notre Dame on the Purdue schedule anytime soon? I know they play quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they're coming up. Uh, I want to say next 2023, mm-hmm. I think, is the start of about a about a four-game series, I want to say. You know, for yep. years, you guys remember that. I mean, from like 1946 till about 2015 or so, they played every year. Right. And what a boon that was for Purdue, right? I mean, Notre Dame really didn't get anything out of playing Purdue every year. So that was a good deal for Purdue. And, yeah, they are going to slip back on the schedule here. Uh, for an abbreviated time in, in, in these coming years, which is always good. But it's always a great deal for Purdue, guys. I, I just think how much fun it would be to see if every Big Ten team could play Notre Dame once every couple of years if they were a conference. And that'd be great for Illinois fans, Minnesota fans, Wisconsin. I mean, it'd be a blast to see Notre Dame lining up against those schools on a regular basis. Let's take a call for Tom Deanhart. Steve calling in Princeton. Go ahead. You're on the air with us. Yeah, enjoying conversation. And when Lauren mentioned about TV viewership, that Illinois didn't have a very good rating mm-hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. It's a big thing concerned about, hey, if we can get Notre Dame, we will get the Chicago market. Oh, yeah. You get the Chicago market if you get Notre Dame. Yeah. Is that a yeah, big thing concerned? Yeah. How, how do we get the Chicago market? Does Northwestern have it now, or who's getting it? I don't think that not I, North, not, it's not, not it's not Northwestern. No, Northwestern doesn't move the needle. Uh-uh. It's, you know, Notre Dame, obviously, you guys know that, and that's that's a huge Notre Dame market. Heck, every big metro area along the eastern seaboard is, for that matter, Boston and New York City. It's a national brand, right? The Notre Dame is the brand. It is the college brand. Period. End of story. Coast to coast. That's why they love playing those that national schedule. They like to play on the West Coast once a year. They like to take that, that again, that neutral site series and, and work up along the eastern seaboard if they can. So 
like I said earlier, if the Big Ten could, could, could reel in Notre Dame, that would be huge uh, for the conference moving forward and just enrich it even more, right? Oh, yeah, it would go up even further, yeah. I, I, I don't know what – the thing is that they'd have to give up their NBC uh, uh, contract because I don't think the, the Big Ten would allow them to have a separate contract on that. But Well, you but, know what, here's, here's an idea. You guys consider – I don't know if the other Big Ten schools would agree to this. Go to Notre Dame and go, look, join our ranks. We'll give you a larger slice than anybody else in the conference. Hmm. I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think that go. I, that never worked. Don't think so? No, sir. Because right, right away, Ohio State. I've been told. Uh, I was told by a person who was at the meeting. Michigan and Ohio State tried that a while back in the Big Ten. A while back, not not the last couple oh, of years. Oh. Further back, and there, that was shot down. And and they have never. There's never been any consideration of that. But there's no question that Michigan and Ohio State bring in more for the Big Ten than Purdue and Illinois, for example. but I, but yeah, And yet Illinois and Purdue uh, get the same amount from distributions, uh, TV distributions, as they do. So I don't think there's any way that they would ever offer Notre Dame more. I really don't think so. And by the way, I don't think that's Notre Dame's main concern anyway. Money doesn't seem to be their concern. Yeah. Well, then, Warren, what do you think their concern is? I think their concern is that the that they have a chance for the national championship and access to the playoff if they're a top ten or top fifteen team. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I mean, a that's, think that's that's all they care about. That is important. There's no doubt about. It. Like that, that, that's what was always been my point with Notre Dame is we have to see what this playoff looks like and they have to get a look at it, mm-hmm. see what they're what how, how tough it's going to be for them to get in that playoff field. So that's going to be even more important than money. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I just kind of wonder. One of the things that makes the Big Ten great, I get the NFL great too, right, is they share their revenue. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts and New York Giants get the same TV money, right, nationally at least, and the Big Ten shares their, their national TV packages. Yeah. But you know what? Is, 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 is it time to rethink that? Should, I'm sorry? Aren't schools aren't, – isn't it, is it, is it, is it too crazy to maybe rethink that? I mean, why should everybody get the same amount of money? <laughs> well, so, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Walk up and down a business office. Yeah. Look in every office. Not everybody makes the same salary, do they? Yeah. Some people, yeah. Are, more, some people are more valuable than others, aren't they? Yeah. Why is it such, why is it such an obtuse idea to think, you know what? Ohio State should get a bigger check than Northwestern. Well, I guess you're sure. right. I mean, I, I can't – I'd have a hard time arguing, but I think it's – from a collegiality standpoint, I think it's good. I, I do know that when Texas was going to go to the Pac-12, that they they demanded to, to keep their uh, Longhorn Network and the Pac-12 turned them down. Otherwise, Texas would have gone to the uh, Pac-12 several years ago. That was a mistake. Hey, Lauren, forget about any aspect of collegiality, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. That's throat. a bad word. <laughs> this, is, this is cutthroat professional football, buddy. Yeah. So just remember that. All that, all your, all your little ivy-towered mortarboard guys shaking pom-poms and singing their alma mater. This is pro football, my friend. Yeah. And I would, I, I, I would think anything's a possibility, and it's on the table here. Steve, you got anything else? No, I was just wondering because, like. You know, they want TV sets, you and Lauren say, and I just said, well, hey, who's who's going to get those TV sets in Chicago? Is it Notre Dame, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State? You know, who has the highest rating in the Chicago area? Well, I think it's a good it's, question. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think 
it's it's just divided among a lot of different schools. I, I don't know. There may be a, a clear leader. Maybe it's Notre Dame. I don't think it's yeah. Northwestern, though. No. You know, you know, going back to USC and UCLA, did the Big Ten really need UCLA? Well, they had no. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, no. You about that? No, I, I think you're right. They UCLA. didn't need them. No. I think that one two, one school out of uh, Los Angeles would have been fine, but I guess they yeah. felt like they had to, they came as a pair, I guess. I mean, I mean, if USC is a private school, it, it, it owes UCLA nothing. It's not a it's a public school and a private school. I mean, and Big Ten got the school they wanted in USC. They, I, don't, I don't know why they took UCLA, honestly. Um, anyway, it's just kind of food for thought. There's a lot of I, I love Washington. I think Washington would be a great ad. But everything you read, guys, the Big Ten just doesn't think Washington or Oregon adds enough to justify bringing them in. Not at this and, time. Uh, I think that's right. And then, you look at, and then you look at the Bay Area with Cal and Stanford. Again, you want to talk about a massive TV market, but you know what, guys? Nobody in the Bay Area really cares about Cal or Stanford, do they? No. Not, not again, according to their attendance. You talk about great academic schools, though. Yeah. And you know, and you know, the Big Ten loves to embrace their academic prestige, right? And if you could brag about having Cal and Stanford, and plus you're adding San Francisco, that's uh, that's pretty interesting, I think. Well, I looked up the AAU the other day, uh, which is the uh, academic thing that you know, if you're not in the yeah. Association of American Universities, you're not going to get in the Big Ten. And guess who the number one school that I saw on that list was? The University of Washington. The University yeah, I mean, of Washington, they're number one uh, because they have such a amount of research. It's incredible. And uh, the fact that they're number one would make Washington one of the le- leading considerations for the presidents, not the athletic directors now, the mm-hmm. presidents. When, and who, guess who makes the final vote on who comes in the Big Ten? Yeah, but you know the TV guys got the year, too. Oh, yeah, I, I understand the pres- that. But the president's pres- pres- deal, but... TV networks are, seem like they're moving the chess pieces here as much as anybody. And Washington, man, University of Washington, you guys, if, you, if, you ever, if you've ever been out there for a game, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's like a Big Ten environment. Plus, you got a massive market in Seattle as well. And that's a market that does care about the University of Washington. Yeah. To me, that's the one Pac-12 school that would really interest me that's still out there. They interest me more and more than UCLA, honestly. I would dump UCLA and take Washington. <laughs> Well, that's that's a done deal. So n- nobody ever gets dropped, do they? <laughs> no. Speaking of that, do you, you think the Big Ten would ever look at its own roster and go, "Let's let, let's go around the table, guys. Every school, tell us why we should keep you." <laughs> well, I'm not looking forward to that happening for for a minute. I don't think I, I don't think it ever will. I don't think it ever will. But honestly, there, there's about four or five schools that probably don't belong to be in the Big Ten, and I think we all know who they are. Well, you're talking about, uh, I would guess, three of the last four in, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what do you really make the Big Ten better from a TV standpoint? Are you really an asset? Do you really sweeten the pot? What's your fan base like? Do you draw eyeballs on TV? Mm-hmm. I don't really care about everybody's great in academics. I get it. That's great. I really don't care about non-conference sports because they don't matter. It's all about football, guys. It's that simple. Well, what's your feeling on what's your feeling on Nebraska in the Big Ten right now? Well, you got to keep Nebraska without a doubt. 
But the, um, I know they struggle, but that's you talk about a massive brand. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't think they del- deliver that many TV sets watching Nebraska. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. It's a, that's a, I'm, I'm, I'm I will say they did. Brand. I don't know if they still do. Right. I, I was, I'd have to see new numbers, but once upon a time, Nebraska was. And Nebraska like, is now not in that AAU, right? They okay. fell out. Yeah. They, yeah, they're not. They're not. Well, I would take Nebraska over Rutgers, over Maryland, sure, sure. probably over Purdue, probably over Minnesota. I mean, Nebraska's not the problem, Steve. Well, you don't want to see Purdue. You don't want to see Purdue no, drop down. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm due. I'm just saying, be honest with yourself. Aren't you? I mean, I'm really having an honest conversation with each school. You could you could do this in every league. Look at the SEC. You think they really want Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Vanderbilt? What what are they really? They're cashing checks they really don't deserve. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. That's my point. This is a business, right? If you want to get cold hard facts and talk about business, what do you do for me? What do you do for me? I mean, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but those are conversations you wonder if they ever take place. Again, I don't think anybody's getting kicked out of any conferences, but it's just sort of interesting to think about. If we were if we were to really redo this and, and redraw up the Big Ten and the SEC, how would it really look today? That that's an oh, interesting, man. interesting that's thing. A, to, that's a whole different story. To ponder, no doubt. It's fun. Yeah, it's like I said, I, I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. The Big Ten's not going to kick anybody out. Um, you know, heck, the Purdue was one of the founding members. James Smart was the president that was on that initial initial committee that formed the Big Ten however many years ago. So. Um, it's a great league. There's a lot of schools that you think they're lucky stars to rent it because look at Oregon State, look at Washington State, look at Texas Tech, look at Oklahoma State. There's a lot of schools. Look at Kansas, guys. They're just hanging by a thread, yeah. Down the cold. They yep. get left out in the cold. Yeah. What's uh, new on the basketball side over there? How has uh, Matt Painter dealt with the transfer portal? It struck out about five or six times on the guys you wanted. Is that right? They ended up. They ended up landing a kid named David Jenkins from Utah. This would be his fourth college. <laughs> he was about. He was about Plan E or F, and uh, they needed a point guard. And he's not a pure point guard. He's more of a two guard. I think they're going to try to make him play some point guard. So there's 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 questions, there's concerns. You know, this all goes back to they wanted a kid named Nigel Pack, who was at Kansas State. Yeah. An Indianapolis kid who they almost got out of high school, but they didn't take him. And you guys know Nigel Pack's story by now. Yeah, oh yeah. Miami. Well, yeah, and they thought they were going to get him, and then here comes Miami, and and, and eight hundred thousand dollars later, he's a here, he's a hurricane. So they <laughs> tried to get several other guys. The kid from Iowa State. Um, there, there were four or five point cards they tried to get. There's a kid who's a Southern Conference Player of the Year they didn't get. So here they got this kid named David Jenkins. So we'll see. You know, guys, well, that's the big bugaboo with, with with Purdue since I've been alive. Is that they, they never have an elite point guard. They never, and you know what? The kids know it. They don't go there. The elite point guards don't go there. They don't go there. And well, the big I centers do. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but you know what? You you don't need big centers. Yeah. You know, you don't need big centers. This isn't 1980. Lauren Joe Barry Carroll's gone. That era's gone. Well, I don't know. That I mean, that is, that is going to. And he's going to make an impact this year, I think, in the league. He's hard to guard. Yeah, but I don't know. I just he, – he, it depends on who you're playing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a little uh, miffed at the whole how they lose to St. Peter's, you know. 
Why can't Zach Eady dominate St. Peter's? Why can't Jay Nivey dominate St. Peter's and win that game at least? My goodness. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, Zach Eady's great, but he's awfully slow, Lauren. Yeah. Well, it, so, you know, you, 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 you got to guard the pick and roll. You got to be able to yep. move. You got to be able to. That's record. a problem. That is a problem. You do a lot of things, but basketball, you guys know what basketball is like today. It's not a, a seven foot four, 290 pound big man game. Well, Tom, tell me, how's the, how's the NIL working for Purdue? Have, are they set up? Are they, are they, uh, yeah. are they able to pay uh, players the way they want to? Yeah, they just announced a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, the Boilermaker Alliance has been set up. They got a website. They're starting. Uh, I think they're starting to take funds. So yeah, it's a start. They got a collective. They've got a thing called the Boilermaker Marketplace that the university runs. It's sort of a, a web portal where people can contact players, athletes for explicit ideas to them. Um, but you know, I, I talked to the guy running the collective about a week or so ago. I've talked to Mike Bobanski, the AD. Purdue's not going to turn into a school that that's luring players uh, to come to their school. The NIL is, is, is going to be used for what it was intended to be used for when you get to campus. It's not to be used as a recruiting inducement, which we're seeing at some schools. So Purdue's getting established. They're on the back end of this, but they are moving forward here, and they've got something in place. And, uh, you know, I guess all I can say is stay tuned. We'll see how this all fleshes out, and not just for Purdue, but for a lot of schools. Hey, Tom, good conversation this morning. Good to catch up with you. Uh, look forward to seeing you as we get uh, closer to football season. Sounds good. Take care, fellas. You bet. Tom Deanhart over Thank in West Lafayette from the uh, goldandblack.com publication, the Rivals Network there. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Deanhart one Ten twenty-eight. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk until 11. 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. And joining us from the Denver, Colorado area, apparently in need of extra caffeine to come on the air to talk with us, is Paul Klee. Good morning, Mr. Klee. How are you? Mr. Kelly, good to talk to you. I don't need caffeine to talk to you, man. You are my caffeine. You get me going. <laughs> How are things in God's country out there? <laughs> good. I wish I was there today, though. I just got word that uh, one uh, my favorite person, other than you two, Marcus Jackson, is in Champaign playing Lincolnshire today in some sort of member guest, and oh, I think is? that would be the that would be God's country right now. That would be a good assignment. Uh, we'll run out and see him, shouldn't we? We should go out there and harass him <laughs> a little bit. We wanted to get uh, your take on this kind of a broad uh, brush with this uh, particular painting, but uh, the college landscape, as far as divisions and uh, conferences and everything go. We saw it start last summer, obviously, with Texas and Oklahoma, but the USC-UCLA thing kind of hit everybody by surprise. Get your take on, do you think the uh, Big Ten and the SEC are done adding teams at this point? Boy, that's a good question, Steve. I um, I caught up with uh, Lauren's buddy Rick George the other day to talk over this, what we have on our hands, this puzzle. And uh, I can tell you the pack is in a very difficult spot right now of all the of all the power fives i think the pac-12 right now is the most um precarious so 
they were blindsided by it. And when I say blindsided, I mean, they just absolutely did not see this coming. I, I go back to um, the glory days when I was fortunate enough to live in Champaign and Jim Delaney came up with this um, incredible idea for the BTN. Uh, this is where I think all this, I don't know about began, but pretty much that was the genesis of this. That, that's the smartest man who's ever been in college athletics. And by what he did with Big Ten Network, I think that's what triggered all this movement. I think, you know, the money involved that those schools that other leagues weren't seeing, I think it's trickled down to what we're seeing now, which is I think it's an inevitable move toward, you know, 50, 60, 70 teams um, under a different umbrella than the NCAA. Uh, I don't know if breaking off, but pushing the others to the side and creating this very powerful uh, football driven entity I, I think that's what we're going toward I, I don't think that it's nearly close to being finished at this point well th- does Rick George have any thoughts about uh, the Pac-12 he does um, you know there's 10 left now and I think the one that he didn't say this but from what I've gathered from CU and a couple of other programs they're worried about is Oregon you know Oregon's the that's the golden goose there with all that Nike money. Um, I've been told that they've been looking around and seeing where they might fit in. But if the pack were to lose an Oregon or a Washington or an Arizona, um, I don't know that that's a power conference anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that then they become closer to a Mountain West type deal, which is really scary for them. Well, what's happened with the pack is, is they've, their media rights have been so undervalued, you know, it's not the Big Ten. Nothing's the Big Ten. Nothing's the SEC. But it's been it's been good. You know, they've had a couple of different teams not named UCLA or USC playing the college football playoff. So, you know, Rick took a couple of really juicy shots at USC and UCLA saying we didn't lose any teams that have played in the CFP. Um, and I think those shots are going to continue over the next couple of years. All of a sudden, the, the visits from the Bruins and the Trojans are going to carry a little bit more weight over the next two years, but the pack right now, they have to stick together. If they are, if they lose another one or two teams, they're in a very, very difficult spot. Now their media rights are up for negotiation right now. And they have about a month left on that. I expect they're going to go to the open market and that open market doesn't look like what it did 10 years ago. You know, that could be Amazon. That could be Apple TV. That could be a lot of different, um, you know, avenues that we haven't seen um, in previous kind of iterations of this this movement. So they've got to hit that big, and they've got to make sure they keep their 10 teams together. Do you see the, the PAC and the Big 12 joining forces? Hmm. What's so interesting about that is we're only 12 years, 11 or 12 years <laughs> removed of the PAC trying to completely wipe out the Big 12. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they went in, but the difference is, is that this is interesting. Larry Scott was the commissioner at that point, and he was very public and very open uh, to the point that he made campus visits to UT, to Texas A&M. I think Texas Tech was involved with that, maybe even Nebraska, um, to say, hey, why don't you come join the pack? That isn't that long ago, guys. That, that's a decade ago, and now it's a total reversal. I would think if I'm the Big 12, I'm going after Arizona. I'm going after ASU, I'm going after CU and seeing what Utah wants to do. And 
while, you know, there is some allegiance, I guess, to the Pac-12 for those four, is there really any loyalty anymore? There's not. You've got to set yourself up uh, and look out for number one and put yourself in the best spot. So as a basketball guy, I get a little giddy uh, at the idea of the Buffs and these teams joining a Big 12 because that basketball league has been so, so good over the last handful of years. That makes me happy. But it also the idea that there's not a power conference on the West Coast, I don't see how that's good for the sport as a whole. Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. I, I wonder if the Pac-12 looks at the Big 12 and realizes that Houston, BYU, Southern, Southern Florida, and Cincinnati are coming in. How does that affect their interest in coming in? I don't think it would too much. You don't think it would? Okay. I, I don't. I, I just I think the worry with the pack is that they're just going to be left out. You know that they they've got FOMO. They're 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 worried that they're going to break off and they're not going to be included, and that's so much money to miss out on. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Paul Clee. Let's uh, take a phone call. From Jacksonville, Florida. Mark, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. I'd like to comment on a couple of things. I think Paul could chime in on these too. One thing that uh, Kedrick Prince said, and one thing that the man from uh, Purdue had to say too, or that covers Purdue, uh, on uh, Kedrick Prince, he mentioned among the things in Illinois' favor in recruiting nowadays, uh, along with the coaching staff and the facilities and the Big Ten, obviously. Uh, he mentioned the fans. I remember when Illinois was doing coaching searches, probably the last two, uh, we were told that the fans were a detriment, that their expectations were out of whack, that that was hindering uh, people from wanting to take the job. Well, I think that's completely turned around. I think uh, Brad Underwood has the same expectations that I do. Well, you're talking basketball now. That mm-hmm. uh, Yes. I you can't... remember that, don't you? No, I don't remember a coach not coming here out of concern for fans. No, we... you, rem- you, you remember that being stated. There were articles written to that effect. I... That the fans' okay. expectations it... were all out of whack. I know Paul Clee remembers that because I remember him saying that on this station. Okay. Mm-hmm. You remember that, yeah. Paul? Oh, yeah, they were out of whack. They're totally out of whack. It's been how long since Illinois has been in the Sweet 16? No, we're talking about attendance. Oh, gosh, no. Those are the best fans I've ever seen in college sports. They they showed up when, you know, you're losing to Miami of Ohio. Those are terrific fans. But, yeah, expectations were out of whack. I think that's been proven. Oh, I don't think it's been proven at all. I think they're going to win a national championship, and I expect them to. How's that for expectation? <laughs> and I think Brad that's, Underwood. I say they're un- unrealistic. If you want to know, what, that's what I think they are. You don't yeah. think you don't think that's what Brad Underwood thinks? Well, no. I think every coach think thinks he's every coach thinks he's going to win the national championship, but everywhere. But uh, Illinois never won it, and they're not in. There's no indication that I see that they're going to win it anytime soon. What, what uh, would make it? What I, would make I you totally think disagree. that? The talent. I totally disagree. Okay. The talent they have and the talent they have coming. And uh, I wanted to comment on what the uh, Purdue guest said, too. He said that uh, uh, something to the effect they just set up their uh, uh, NIL group and that Purdue Purdue really doesn't want to use NIL as a factor to get players. Everybody says that. They're going to – 
and and that they're only using it for what they're supposed to. Everybody well, says that. That that I know, and it's all wrong. You know good and well they're using it as an incentive or an inducement, and that if if Purdue really operates that way, they're going to fall really far behind. Okay, Mark. Hey, we appreciate those uh, comments and thoughts. While we're on the subject, Paul Clee of NIL, we're a year into that. Certainly, it's changed a lot since it started last July. But uh, you got any overall observations on how you think that's <laughs> gone and where you think it's going? It's so wild, Steve. It's it is wild west right now. And that conversation with Rick George the other day was really enlightening because he's on the committee to try and rein it in or at least have some type of regulation um, define what you can and can't do. And something along those lines is going to have to happen. It, it, it has to happen because right now it's, um, there's no lines to color inside of you, you, you. There's really no regulation on it. So, um, I think it can be good, but not at this rate, not the way it's going right now. Not when you got a kid at Miami asking for a million or whatever it was. Um, it's just free agency. So Purdue's used, Purdue's going to use it. You know, paint, paint, Matt Painter's, he's the smartest man in college basketball. I really mean that. He's the smartest basketball guy I've ever been around. They're going to use it, but they're not going to have to use it in the way that a Kentucky uses it either. Because the guys that they're going to target, uh, they know why they go to Purdue. It's to get better over two or three or four years and, um, you know, be really good in the Big Ten. And they've been really good in the Big Ten. Um, I think this is an advantage for Illinois of, if you look at the landscape, this should be an advantage for Illinois with Chicago. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I like I like what Underwood's done. I really do. I mean, has anybody won more Big Ten games than Illinois over the last three years? I know. I'd be surprised if they had. No, not um, close. But they, they have bumped their head. They, they hit their head on the ceiling. And that's happened in the first weekend. I think it's imperative that they get out of that first weekend. It's been a really long time. Well, so, I would, uh, I'd say that they bumped their head against Loyola, uh, but they didn't yeah. exactly bump their head against Houston. Houston would beat them 8 out of 10. As, yeah, as, that was as, a good team. Yeah, they're, they're just, they were just too good for Illinois. And and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be good again in basketball this year. Yeah, what a what a hire! I mean, he's he's a knucklehead, and I I wouldn't hire him. But if you if you could count ten better coaches in the country than Sampson, it'd be a pretty good list. Yeah. No. What you what you're, in terms of what you do uh, in the area of cheating, he would rank right up there with the best, and he's also <laughs> the best coach. So. Just because yeah. you you know you wear a black hat doesn't mean you can't win the race. And they're a problem because when you get them in a tournament, they don't have a bad day. You know they they don't. The reason they were in the final four two years ago, and I can't remember how far they got last year, but it was definitely the second weekend. Because the style they play, they don't rely on anything that has to go well. Mm-hmm. They just play. They play harder than you. They're tougher than you, and. He is relentless. He recruits guys that are absolutely relentless. How that thing didn't work at Indiana will be one of the great mysteries to me. He got sloppy because he should have been there for 20, 25 years. Yep, yep. 
He just made too many phone calls when he wasn't supposed to, <laughs> among other things. Talking to Paul Klee, yeah. who's out in Colorado these days, Gonzaga graduate. Uh, what's the latest on your Zags? Where are you going to have them ranked? They're going to be good. They're going to be really good. They got all those guys coming back, which was a total surprise. I thought Roger Powell was going to have the Illinois State job. I think Roger Powell – well, I know Roger Powell thought he was going to have the Illinois State job. Um, but I'll tell you what, we're awfully glad to have him. Would he have taken um, it? He would have taken it, yes. Yeah. Yes. He, um, he's an Illinois guy, you know. He, the few people, maybe Jarrett's, love Illinois more than Roger Powell does. You know, they went into Chicago and they got a kid that Roger worked on for a long time, Braden Huff. Actually, he didn't work on him for that long, but they got him. And um, I think that he wanted that Illinois State job. So, But we are awfully glad to have him, and he's been a blessing for the Gonzaga program. They should be a top three team again. Well, I thought it made a lot of sense for Roger Powell in Illinois State with uh, yeah. his dad mm-hmm. having played there and, and all. I didn't know mm-hmm. in the behind the scenes of how serious he was or how deep he might have been in talks there. Deep, deep, yep. I, I thought he was going to get it. Um, I really did. But I don't know the guy that they hired. I know that um, I've had coaches tell me that he is very good and it was an excellent hire, but a lot of people were surprised that, that Roger didn't get that. Um, I did see, guys, uh, Illinois is playing Texas this year. Yeah. Yes, sir. That is fantastic. It, I want to see Jarrett Howard go against Illinois. And I love, I don't enjoy watching Chris Beard play because I don't like that style of basketball, but that is a whale of a non-conference game. Yep. Is Jaren uh, pretty happy in Austin? <laughs> I'd say so. You should see the contracts that UT gives out. Oh, man. It's extraordinary the money that they pay assistants. So, yeah, he's doing really well. Good for him. There was a story in the um, News Gazette a long time ago. I think it was the first the first year I was there, where I caught up with Jarrett. He was some type of special assistant or GA or something at Kentucky. Nobody really knew who he was in coaching circles, and look at him now. Yeah, well, he's he's moved fast. I, I remember where he, when he was. Uh, uh, he thought he was a candidate for the Illinois State job. Remember that many years ago, way back when he was here. One day he, one was, day he will be. He was the a, last time I, the last time I saw him, Lauren was over in Kansas City. The Broncos were playing the Chiefs, and I caught up with him. Went to the KU game, and I said, "Who's your guy? Who's your NBA guy in this team?" And he pointed over at Agbaji, the wing. Mm-hmm. The guy who just won a national championship, and at that point, Agbaji wasn't even playing. He couldn't get off the bench. Mm-hmm. So um, he has a he was prescient in that regard. Maybe his best sales job goes all the way back when he was a player, when he helped convince uh, D and Darren to not leave Illinois. Darren and, should write a book, and I hope he lets me do it. <laughs> you better put that bug in his ear if you haven't already. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to save the most important question until last. Usually, oh, I. Usually I ask you this right off the get-go, but I saved it for a big finish. The most important question is, how's your little guy doing? He's, what is he, about a year and a half now? Oh, man, he's so much fun, Steve. I, I've, you know, living with Marcus Jackson for six or seven years, <laughs> rooming with Lauren Tate on the road, I thought those, that was as good as life can get. <laughs> 
this having a 19 month old is as good as life can get. I actually brought home his first golf clubs this morning, so <laughs> we're going over to the chipping green uh, this afternoon to uh, <laughs> to make the next Tiger Woods. Make sure he's right-handed. He can buy clubs cheaper that way, as I found out. <laughs> well, he's terrorizing the two dogs with his uh, seven iron right now, so we've got to. We've got to work on that, but I, I've never had so much fun. I'll tell you what I guy. found out is that I have a two-year-old grandson, and I've done the same thing. I got him a couple of, I got him a little putter and a little pitching wedge. But if my golf clubs are anywhere near, those are the ones he wants to play with. He wants, he wants to grab the yeah. big club. Yeah, it's his fishing rod, his, his Snoopy fishing rod, and his his new plastic seven iron. He has a standing offer from Gonzaga in Arizona right now. And I need to get that in writing because the way coaches move around anymore, that could disappear real quick. <laughs> well, good to hear that. Uh, what are some of the things you're working on? Are you getting some, I was going to say, do you, are you getting some time off or some downtime during the summer? But uh, we don't, don't really get that anymore, do we? We got a couple weeks after the Avalanche little Stanley Cup run that they had. Um, that, was a, that was a busy time. Uh, the Broncos with Russell Wilson start training camp. If, if you can believe it, I can't. Less than two weeks. In 10 days, NFL teams start training camp. Um, and then the Rockies are still playing baseball. But, um, you know, there's not a ton of interest in the Rockies because they're not very good. Um, so it's Broncos season. That's what it is. And it's fly fishing season. But that's year-round. Well, Paul, always good to catch up with you. Uh, sounds like you're doing well. Always good to hear your voice. Thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. I hope you run into MJ and get out to Lincolnshire and heckle his foursome if you get a chance today. <laughs> thanks, All right. thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks, guys. You bet. That's Paul Klee out in Denver. You can follow him on Twitter, by Paul Klee on Twitter. He's at the Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette, but he's based in Denver. We need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with a British Open update for you and little bit more here as we move towards 11 o'clock back after this. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. We've got about three minutes left on this edition of the show. Let's go to John calling down in Huntsville, Alabama. What do you say, John? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'm just calling you guys. Uh, maybe you can help me out. Uh, do, you, do either one of you know Otis Hewley Jr.? No. I don't. Okay. He's the coach of... Uh, uh, Alabama A&M. Okay. And they're okay. coming into Illinois to play basketball. Uh, I don't think it's by Illinois' fifth or sixth game. Okay. And he, he's a new coach there this year. He just came in. They didn't have a very good record last year. I think they were 12 and 18. I'm just trying to find out uh, how I can uh, – I thought maybe you guys might know him. I can get in there and get a ride to Champagne with him and watch that game <laughs> and ride back here to Huntsville. <laughs> I don't think you can do that very easily unless you make a big contribution to the program. Yeah, there's a way to start. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I figured if there was a way, you guys might know it, and, and I can get in there. I'm going to talk 
to the lady who lives next door to me on kind of she graduated from there and she seems to know a lot of people so i'm going to talk to her but i'm I'm trying to check all my avenues you know well good luck on that just call the ticket office buy yourself a ticket you can come on up (laughs) there we go all right hey thanks have a good one yeah appreciate the call thank you john a couple of minutes before uh, 10 o'clock let's uh Check in on the uh, Open Championship. Victor Hovland has the uh, lead over at St. Andrews at 13 under par. Cameron Smith is a shot back. Roy McElroy, another shot back at 11. Cameron Young, 11 under par. Then you've got uh, Thomas Peters, who had a good day today. He was 5 under, shot a 65 today. He is 7 under and is tied for 11th, just outside the top 10. He is done with his third round. Thomas Dietrich, another former Illini, is still on the golf course at minus six. He's tied for 18th. He's through 12 holes. So uh, Illinois golf in that uh, top 20, at least as we speak right now. They've been a lot prominent in recent weeks, haven't they? They really have. Well, we appreciate our guest this morning, Kedrick Prince. We talked some Illinois basketball with him. Tom Deanhart, who covers the Purdue Boilermakers and other Big Ten matters for uh, goldenblack.com over in West Lafayette, and to Paul Clee. We appreciate your calls as well. So you're going to watch baseball and golf this afternoon? Is that I your plan? I probably will. Yeah, up to, for, up to 3 o'clock. Then i got another birthday party. you got a lot of birthdays. <laughs> not your birthday. No, no. <laughs> These are younger ones. Thanks to uh, Dave Leak, our executive producer on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. Have a good weekend. <laughs>